Welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. My name is Kyle Bird. I'm Matt Parmley. And uh, this is our first uh, episode uh, for October. So you know what that means. That means we're about to get spooky. Or spoopy. Everyone says spoopy now. Right? Isn't that what the kids... What the kids are saying? Yeah. I, I think we did uh, this anyway. exact same bit last year. <laughs> um, okay, so today we 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 have did we have to talk about some crazy stuff. So we ha- we have a rogues gallery um of of kaiju transmissions alum in the house. Um we have what I would say are probably the three most frequent co-hosts that we've had on this podcast. If you're going to listen to an episode, chances are you'll get me and Matt and one of these guys. Uh, but we have all three in the house because to talk about this stuff, we had to bring up bring out the big guns um, because it takes more than one brain to process these films. So that's... Uh, the Seventh Curse and The Cat, two Hong Kong horror movies. We'll talk about why we're talking about them. But first, um, let's let's go down the the line here and uh, introduce these folks. We have uh, it's October. Uh, uh, that is when Tom bullies his way into every episode <laughs> we do during the month. Uh, f- so welcome back to another. It's in my, uh, it's in my contract. <laughs> if I'm gonna if I'm gonna get on here and talk about stuff like. Uh, Shin Godzilla and Pacific Rim Uprising that uh, I have to be invited on for every October episode. <laughs> yeah, um, he he forced his way in. Um, uh, we have uh, my good old buddy, uh, my my original podcast co-host from way back when, Trev. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me yeah. back. Uh, and you can find Trev on uh, two podcasts that he currently has with uh, Days of Future Podcast, which is an X-Men podcast, and Failure to Franchise, who are also doing some cool Halloween stuff. Um, and uh, we have... Uh, uh, two podcasts, one mic. <laughs> we have our, I guess, resident sleuth and fanatic of all that is obscure... Uh, Mazer Patrols, Kevin Derendorf, uh, also author of the book Kaiju for Hipsters, and 
I think the last couple times I forgot to put this in your intro, Kevin, so I apologize. But officially an Arrow alum because you wrote uh, an essay for their booklet in the Dimagine uh, box set. So so uh, congratulations and, and welcome back. Yep, yep. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, with with uh, five of us here, we can we can fully do the lion combination and, and form a, an invincible super robot. Oh yes. man, like you mean in that great show, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers? Whoa, 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 guys, 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 guys! <laughs> <laughs> we don't want any. Shots we don't fired. want any. We don't, we don't want any fisticuffs out here, okay? Uh, I mean, Kevin. I, now, Kevin. Now that I just assume, like you're like, uh, like all in with the Arrow guys. Can you make them release these movies? Can, just, I just expect you to make them release anything now i feel like that's the kind of power you have i'll i'll see what i'm uh what i'm capable of wielding there's a there's a there's a long list of uh of things i've been been uh shouting into the wind there well add these because uh it, you know trev and i talk about this weirdly like hong kong cinema of like the 70s through like the 90s has become like weirdly like unavailable here right well i'll say it's getting a little better i think like in the last couple of years we've had like you know remember bird for a long time i was complaining about how in this like modern era of you know the blu-ray era and the boutique labels i was like where's all the like the hong kong action stuff and i will say that's getting better you have 88 films you have eureka you know a lot of companies now if you have the region free players we're putting out some really good mm-hmm. uh releases of you know the jackie chan stuff and the sam hung stuff so it's getting better but yeah it's still yeah. not not where I would like it to be. State, state side, it's definitely a problem. Yeah, it's shaking. Again, re, thank God for region-free players. Yeah, well, speaking of Arrow, or... Yeah, it is Arrow. They have that big Shaw Brothers set coming, you know, mm-hmm. so... Yeah, I mean, hopefully they'll, you know, maybe start doing more more Hong Kong stuff. Um, so, you know, anyway, like Criterion, Criterion does some, you know, Criterion has the Once Upon a Time in China box set coming, so you yeah, get the classy the stuff from them, but... Criterion ain't touching these, so come yeah. on. <laughs> they should. <laughs> uh, police story. They have police story too, yep. right? Um, okay. So um, the seventh curse and the cat. Um, I guess I'll I'll explain why we chose these. A just as an excuse to talk about these because they're freaking crazy. Um, but uh, if there's one, if there's something similar, uh, well, I guess there's a lot of overlap, but one of the things that, uh, horror fans and kaiju fans have in common is like the, that, uh, because there's that appreciation for practical special effects, like we, like the, the special effects guys are like rock stars, you know, we know their special effects guys by names, by their names. And, and these are two movies that used Japanese, uh, special effects teams. A lot of them are, are some folks that, um, you know, if you watch the Godzilla movies and, and stuff like that, you, you would, we would know. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about, we'll, we'll talk about who, and you know, when we get into these, these movies, um, <clears throat> And uh, this is, uh, I'm going to lean into Kevin for a lot of the stuff about uh, just what these are. Um, 
be, especially like you did a weird this got you on a wise wisely kick but the, these are uh loosely based on these novels um uh let's see what's this author's name um uh, ma, 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 ma. Kwang. Kwang? yeah Kwang. Kwang. um i'm not used to hong kong uh uh names uh chinese names. i think it's fair to say we're gonna mispronounce people's names left and right here yes <laughs> um uh anyway uh there there's a series of of novels that uh he wrote following this character uh dr uh wisely well and i and i guess there's also novels about the character from the seventh curse dr uh yoon um anyway uh these are two movie adapt adaptations from golden harvest uh seventh curse curse is 1986 the cat is 1992 um kevin what can you tell us about uh i don't i don't think these books have been translated in english anywhere have they not to my knowledge yeah Uh, but what what can you tell us about about this this series uh so uh it's long running because it was 1963 to 2004 and they had you know um it's like over a hundred right yeah like a uh a, a 156 novels or something like that um so uh it's uh it, it's it's long running and it, it kind of is a similar deal to what you get with with indiana jones and that you have this doctor character uh uh wisely or, or Wesley um and uh he kind of will go uh look for story ideas in in different places and in doing so he gains all sorts of arcane knowledge as he encounters you know vampires and aliens and and another sort of off the off the rails type of stuff as he trots the globe basically so it's it's very sort of pulp from you know what what I gathered of it I saw a lot of comparisons to Doc Savage, like just when I was like kind of googling it. Yep, I think that's another entirely fair um, comparison. <clears throat> yeah, I'd say so, like watching the two films, I was a little confused as to just like what exactly this dude's story is. You know, like what is his what deal? What is he a doctor of? Yeah, I'm not sure he's a doctor of. Like I wasn't really <laughs> clear of his like backstory. You know, and then like looking at the Wikipedia entry, I was still kind of confused but i mean i just i guess i just like the idea as, as a just a pulp series there is some fun to be had with just this guy who just writes these books and then goes off on these adventures and seems to know everything watching these two movies i was just confused yeah <laughs> <laughs> um now both of these are directed by uh oh, lamb lamb guy kai hopefully i'm saying that right um yeah he's, yeah, <laughs> he's got a bunch of of different um different pseudonyms that he goes by um the it seems like the most common one is the the uh uh lamb nitroy um but uh you know uh simon nam is another one uh and uh his uh troy nam nitroy uh was another one <laughs> Which I, I guess the Troy is is meant to replicate the the, the Chinese Troy. 
uh, in English. Um, but you'll see them kind of credited as different things in, in different places. Um, so he directed one of my favorite movies, which is the story of Ricky or Ricky O, uh, which is just a super gory kung fu movie, kung fu prison movie. Um, oddly enough, as much as I like love that movie, I never bothered to be like, oh, I should see what else this guy's made. Uh, and maybe I should have <laughs> done that sooner because uh, I, I'm I, I'm I'm officially like a fan after watching these two because this guy is he's some sort of demented genius. These are like everything he does is this weird stream of consciousness absurdity. Um, <clears throat> uh, anyway, yeah, story of Ricky is great. Um, and uh, he only made a handful of movies. Um, the Peacock King is one that I've heard of a lot. Uh, Kevin, have you seen The Peacock King? Oh, of course, yeah. It's, is that um, is that as crazy as these? Uh, not quite. Uh, so Peacock King and Saga the Phoenix kind of go together because um, those are both adapting the same manga. And uh, those were Toho co-productions. So oh. um, you get a bunch of Japanese talent coming in uh, for those and that's that's really something that lamb's whole like career is kind of especially in the later half yeah um, story of ricky was a manga as well right yep yep so he he gets a bunch of a bunch of you know japanese uh involvement and he um you know he uh also he worked on uh tokyo the last war and mm. um and even even um up to 2004 is the last credit I found for him, but he uh, he worked on a Japanese movie called uh, The Last Supper as a supervisor. But yeah, in terms of his directorial credits, it is arguably either The Cat or Story of Ricky, and we'll get into why the <laughs> the cat part is arguable. Um, d- uh, what what you what was it you you found like what he's doing now? Isn't he like He's actually like helping people, isn't he? Isn't he like running like housing for refugees or something? What's he uh, doing? Yeah, yeah. He was um, he was working uh, with uh, with orphans. Um, so he he uh, moved to America uh, at uh, at some point, and it's strange. Like I was looking for like interviews with him because you'd think as as big of a cult hit as Story of Ricky was that somebody would have like tracked him down to to interview him. But um, no, after after. The, the 90s he became a travel photographer and he moved to san francisco and then um he was he was working um uh as as an orphanage uh volunteer in as of like 2008 2009 um and with um some poverty alleviation program so uh that's basically what i was able to dig up on him <laughs> what a what a life <laughs> I just noticed too. I didn't realize. That. I just noticed that he directed uh, Erotic Ghost Story, which um, is a movie. I don't know how that passed you guys, but definitely what I heard a lot about when I was a young lad, first getting into like Hong Kong cinema. Uh, you know, that was one of those ones you always saw talked about in books, in particular. Amy Yip just being like the the you know the biggest kind of Hong Kong sex star, uh, and that was when I was like always going, back then. I was like, I gotta see this movie, of course. You know, I don't think I ever got around to it, but just that seems like an odd one too. Just look at like I guess it's just an odd filmography in general, but. Yeah, that oh. was one that really like kicked off a whole wave of a lot of imitators. Yeah. Um I guess he's been compared to Ed Wood. 
I don't know. I don't know if I don't know <clears throat> if that's nice or not. I, yeah, I, can't. I don't know about that. Uh, yeah. Um. <clears throat> anyway. Uh. Yeah. No. This guy. Uh. This guy is awesome. The the first story of Ricky is the f- the first and only thing I'd seen up till now. And even story of Ricky. Like I think I first saw that like before. Yeah, probably around the time I got the internet. But it was it was because. I'm really aging myself and probably you guys too. If you remember when Craig Kilborn hosted the Daily Show pre John mm-hmm. Stewart, do you remember when he would he had like five the he did five questions with the celebrity guests and he'd ask them five questions like in a lightning round? Yeah, the, no, yeah, the, the media blast <laughs> DVD of of story of Ricky has on the back featuring clips shown in the daily show. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But yeah, the, the, whenever you do five, que- the five questions like title screen was always the guy like crushing, crushing the, the guy's head. And I, and I was, and I think once I figured it out, I don't even know, remember how I figured it out or how, who I heard it from. But once I learned like, Oh, that comes from a movie. I was like, I'm going to find that movie. Um, and it's been in my life ever since. Uh, so, I guess uh, we'll start with the first one here. Uh, 1986's The Seventh Curse, um, starring a lot of uh, baby-faced uh, future um, megastars. Well, there's at least a couple. Um, and uh, I mentioned um, Japanese effects crews. I know this has creature effects... By Keizo Murase, who has made, uh, this was, like, later in his career. I mean, he's he's still, like, he's doing some indie stuff now. Uh, Howl Beyond the Fog, which is uh, probably the last thing that was released. Um, but uh, we've talked about him before. He's responsible for building uh, King Ghidorah, uh, um, or at least partially, Building King Ghidorah, but the the Godzilla suit from King Kong versus Godzilla, Varan, um, uh, a bunch of a couple some monsters from Ultraman Ace, um, I think the second Daimajin movie, a couple of the Gamera's, uh, he's so he's he's a, a veteran monster suit maker, and I I have his his book, um, so I know he he at the very least he made uh, what I think. It, is one of our favorite creatures in this movie, which is like the the flying xenomorph <laughs> alien thing. Um, that's what I was able to figure out in English. Kevin, is there anyone else behind the scenes that... Uh, I know the cat has quite a few. Um, is there anyone else behind the scenes of The Seventh Curse that, that we might be familiar with? The only other person that comes to mind is in front of the camera, uh, and that's, um, that's Yasuaki Kurata, um, who... Um, he, he's been in a lot of stuff. I think he's um, most most famous for uh, the Jet Li movie Fist of Legend. But he's he's a big martial artist and has been in a, a bunch of uh, Tokusatsu stuff, including um, he was the villain in uh, Garo, the one who shines in darkness. Mm, okay. Um, okay. So um, I guess speaking of Hong Kong stars, um, a couple uh, uh, pre-fame people um that are are worth noting uh for the first time that we've talked about them on this show um trev i know you 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 kind of wanted to take the lead on some of that who who do we have in here that uh 
is is worth talking about that people might recognize. Well, as you said, we have kind of very early, uh, you know, uh, you know, babyface appearances of two future Hong Kong megastars, uh, and that would be Chow Yun Fat and Maggie Chung. Uh, Chai and Fat, of course, you know, I think he's the one probably a little bit more known to American audiences or right. more because of because of Dragon Ball Evolution, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I guess at least to like more mainstream audiences, probably more, there's better odds of, you know, him being known here because they really tried to make him a star here for a bit. Um, but of course, you know, came to really came to fame during the, the mid 90s with his string of or late 80s going into mid 90s, the, the string of John Woo action films, you know, Better Tomorrow, uh, The Killer, Hard Boiled. And so he actually plays wisely in this. And uh, yeah, just kind of shocking, I guess, that this is the first time we're talking about both him and I guess Maggie Chung. But Maggie Chung, of course, also, um, you know, one of the just the best actresses to ever come out of Hong Kong. So she was kind of a, I believe she was a model first, uh, like a beauty pageant winner. Was kind of, you know, decided to get in acting and kind of right away was, um, she got cast as Jackie Chan's girlfriend in Police Story. And, you know, stole a lot of scenes with her comedic timing. And so she kind of, uh, you know, started, she continued that role through the next two Police Story sequels. And then also started to get, you know, more and more film roles. This, I think this one followed not too long after Police Story, right? I think this isn't too long yeah. after that. Um, and then eventually she became like, you know, I think she was getting a little frustrated. She, you know, she was kind of being positioned to be like one of the new action stars in Hong Kong. And I think that was a little frustrating to her that that's all they were looking at her for. So she kind of went into a more um, international film direction and ended up teaming up with, uh, I don't even know how you guys say this guy's name, but Olivier Assayas. Um, she makes a film with him called Irma Vep, which I would highly recommend to people who uh, like movies about filmmaking. I think it's one of the best movies ever made about what it's like to make a movie. Uh, and then, of course, goes on to become also, uh, you know, I don't want to say frequent, but she's in a couple Wong Kar Wai movies. Yep. And, of course, Hero. Uh, and, just, yeah, she's just fantastic. She's unfortunately retired from acting, which is too bad. Uh, she retired to, to concentrate on um, music and fashion. Um, I know she filmed a scene for Inglorious Bastards that was cut, which is amazing to me, and I don't know that it's available to be seen anywhere. But other than that, yeah, she's pretty much uh, unfortunately stepped away from the whole acting scene, which, which was film's loss because she's fantastic. Yeah. Hero was another big one she was in. I said right? that. He said uh, that one. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we should also anyway. Uh, uh, no, go ahead. The screenplay I, you... is, is, uh, is Wong Jing, who has done a whole ton of stuff, and including the Jackie Chan City Hunter. Oh, I love City Hunter. So, so, uh, you know what? That's, I'm not surprised to hear that this is from the same screenwriter as City Hunter, actually. This is like a lot of, a lot of stuff is clicking together in my head now. <laughs> um, all right. So, you know, we've talked a lot about, you know, who is in front of and behind the camera here, but what is this whole movie about? Um, I'm going to ask that question to tom what is what's 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 the seventh curse about that's a that's an excellent question that i'm sure has an answer uh <laughs> so here's what i think it's about <laughs> um and i'll preface this too by saying i watched the version that's on crackle for free i think it's missing uh, this it's definitely scene. missing an intro like, yeah but uh that's it's not really important to the plot. But yeah, the, the intro is the author of the movie. books, like saying, "Hey, uh, I wrote this story." He uh, starring my friends, <laughs> and they like come out and like he introduces them. Uh, it's very very bizarre. I mean, you could take this film 
completely rearrange it, like put it in a blender and show it to me. And it, the experience wouldn't be all that different. So I don't know how <laughs> important that, right. you know, missing intro is. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the movie, the movie kicks off with a hostage situation and uh, one of the hostages is having a heart attack. So the, the terror are like, Hey, bring a doctor in here. We need, we need a doctor. So the police call a doctor and it's because he's very brave. So we have a brave doctor and he's also very handsome though. So he's a handsome, brave doctor. He walks in, he goes to help the patient, and um, it's revealed that he may also be either a cop himself or working with the cops in some way. So he's a handsome, brave cop doctor. And then also, because they kind of find that he's got a gun, they start a gigantic kung fu battle. And so this is handsome, brave kung fu cop doctor. He has a name, I assume, but... But that's just how I know him. What's this guy's name? Anyone? Uh, Doctor Yoon. He he has Dr. his Yen. own. Doctor Yoon. Yen. Oh, Yen. You, you. Anyway, he has his own uh, series of books as well. Yeah. Okay. So so Doctor Yoon, handsome doc, handsome kung fu doctor. He uh he defuses he beats up all the terrorists and um because he's a handsome kung fu doctor he then goes to you know, get a little loving for being such a brave warrior and his leg explodes or uh, like a, like a bullet comes out of his leg. So he goes to like a bullet hole just appears in his leg. So he goes to his friend and he's like, Hey, this, this like happened to me. I had a attack while I was trying to get laid. And his, his friend's like, have you ever been to Thailand? And he's like, no, wait, except for this one time when I was in Thailand. And he tells him the story about how he went to Thailand so now we're in like a flashback mode and while they're trying to find like herbs to help cure cancer or something no AIDS, AIDS. Isn't, it's AIDS it's yeah. AIDS yeah to help to help fight the AIDS epidemic he runs afoul of the worm tribe the worm tribe is a cult like group of people in the the Thai, Thailandese the, the Thailand jungles that um, sacrifice people to their ancient ancestor via a ceremony where the shaman named Aquila points a dagger at you, and if the dagger glows, that you're getting sacrificed. Uh, unfortunately for Aquila, I guess, maybe, he happens to point the dagger at a beautiful girl that Dr. Yoon is like, oh no, not that girl. So Dr. Yoon goes to save her, uh, meanwhile, the ancient ancestor rises from his grave. He's a like skeleton monster, and he goes after the girl. Doctor Young tries to fight him off using his kung fu prowess. He manages to do so enough that the skeleton goes after the other person that's being sacrificed at the same time. And while that guy's getting eaten, Doctor Yoon is like, "Let me save this beautiful girl." And um, he manages to save her. Somehow, this blasphemes the ancestor. And it gets really pissed off, and it turns into a giant alien xenomorph bat monster. And, I don't know, flies away or something? <laughs> uh, then then um, the, the, the worm tribe kind of try to get this, this sacrificial girl back from Dr. Yoon, and they try to escape, and there's like a big battle and everything, and it winds up that Yoon and his, his colleague get captured. And 
his colleague gets this stuff poured on his head that makes worms explode all out of his skin. It seems a horrifying, agonizing death. And Aquila is like, off his face don't. too for some reason. Yeah, and Aquila is like, "Don't worry, I've got something even worse for you." And he pulls bullets out of his fallen comrades from this battle they've had and throws them in Yoon's mouth. And of course, Yoon swallows them. Is that what those are? I couldn't figure um, out what he was feeding him. Bullets. Huh. Anyways, because so so why wouldn't <laughs> why wouldn't you swallow those? So then now Aquila is like, you're blood cursed. And when the seven curses go through you, you'll your heart will explode. And just to editorialize for a minute, that seems way less bad than having worms explode out of you. Um, so Yun then manages to escape in an absolute maddening bit of physics. And as he's like, then he, he has escaped as he's sort of laying on the banks of a river, like trying to catch his breath and kind of waiting also for this curse to come through him. The beautiful woman that he saved comes up, slices open her boob and pulls some gl- glowing red orb out of it and shoves it in his mouth. And of course he swallows that and she's like, you'll be fine. And then we flash back and, um, Yoon's friend, who is Chow Yun Fat, is like, "Oh yeah, you'll you'll be fine as long as you don't have sex." And well, that's that's nothing that handsome kung fu doctor can abide by. So he has to go back to Thailand to confront his demons in a literal sense and find a cure for his blood curse and defeat Aquila and defeat Xenomorph Bat alien monster thing and pretty much for the rest of this movie after after they make the decision to go back to thailand every single time yoon enters a room he is ambushed by either kung fu warriors or a monster and i mean that's that's as much of a plot as i could string together out of this thing (laughs) uh well like you like the reporter character at all (laughs) <laughs> and well, she's his, there. his friend is wisely who we did like a whole preamble about the history of this character and you forgot i already forgot his name <laughs> but chow yun fat plays yes. wisely <laughs> hey i said chow yun fat played him <laughs> you yeah, said I think he ultimately his to me it's more important as chow yun fat than it's wisely um uh and i i don't think you mentioned the the person that first tells him not to have sex is the uh, character by the name of Dragon, who like ambushes him in his house and like they fight, and then he's like, "Here's why I'm here." Instead of just like showing up and being like, "Hey, I have to tell you this," he's like, "They fight first, um, and then of course he has sex anyway." With uh, that's actually the future Mrs. Sammo Hung. Uh, but yeah, this movie is something for sure uh it's a wild ride this one is readily available on some streaming services but like like we mentioned earlier no blu-ray or anything um i i I, saw this movie i saw this movie for the first time a while ago I, i forget i don't know if like matt had seen it maybe he had like previously watched battle of uh the 
Ricky Yo and had been like, oh, I'm going to watch this guy's other movies and then had watched Seventh Curse. Actually, I, I don't I know feel how like, it was, but I feel like I feel like Matt's the first person that mentioned it to me. I think, Kevin, were you staying with Matt and you guys were watching it? Yeah. You were so staying at I Matt's moving, place. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was moving across country and I stayed at Matt's place because it was halfway there. And Matt had um, the Marase book, uh, which I did not have. So I was just kind of like using the opportunity to, to flip through it. And then like at the very back, I was like, oh, hey, I I'm not familiar with this one. Uh, so, you know, knowing me, I, you know, immediately get to Googling and we figure out, oh, hey, this is actually available for streaming. And then like that night we decided to watch it. And uh, no regrets. No regrets yeah. at all. <laughs> that was a wise decision. And then Bird ignored my recommendation to watch it for like two and a half years. I didn't. Yeah, I was going yeah, to say, I can't remember like <laughs> what the order was of who watched it first, but I remember like Matt, Tom, and I all watched it r- around the same time, around that same era, because like, we all started pestering Bird, and he just like never listened to us. But Because <laughs> um, I think at that, back at that time, that's when it was available on Amazon Prime. I think that's where most of us kind of encountered it the first time. Right, right. Yeah, I... I watched that and like the Oily Maniac, like at the same. Oh time. yeah, that's a that's a good. That's piece. that's a journey. <laughs> <laughs> you don't come I, I out of that the same. Watching it the same day that you watch Pacific Rim Uprising. So. <laughs> oh yeah, that was your experience. <laughs> um, and Bird, I feel bad because I think the well, not no, I remember the first time I watched it was with our regular like Michigan bad movie crew, and it's just one of those nights where for some reason you weren't there, so you were you were yeah. denied the honor, but. But then you just ignored us all telling you to watch it anyway, so whatever. You're a jerk. <laughs> um, I, there's a lot of things in this movie that, like, Tom barely scratched the surface of the, the madness of this, of, <laughs> of this movie. Um, did, we, did we mention the, the fetus that is, like, from brain damage, basically? <laughs> it's, so hard to, it's so hard to work any of the Beaver Dream stuff into this in terms of, like, none of it has anything to do with the plot of the movie. That's true. But the plot yeah. of the movie <laughs> is that's, that that's technically <laughs> accurate. Yeah, I was thinking like during, during Tom's. This, go ahead. I was going to say the plot of the movie is that this guy gets like a blood curse put on him because he tries to save a girl from a sacrifice and then he has to break the curse. Like that's the plot. Then there's all this other insane shit going on with, with brain damage monsters and even like the reporter that's following him around everywhere that he like hog ties and, and duct tape her mouth shut <laughs> she might be more dangerous than the curse so yeah that's fair that yeah, same like, oh. scene uh like she she enters a room by shooting shooting at him yeah yeah she shoots a gun at him <laughs> well, when she's introduced it's her uh knocking a nurse out with a brick so she can steal the nurse's outfit so that she can sneak into a crime scene and take photos while the crime is happening so you know and there's no fun. ramifications for that like the police don't do anything to her about that he's he just kind of like laughs about it afterwards um yeah i mean this plot is like so like you could you could tell someone to watch this movie because then you could tell them the plot or you could say hey you should really watch this movie where near the end there's a like four minute fight scene between a skinless floating baby and a xenomorph <laughs> with wings that ends when chai and fat shows up with a rocket launcher like what are you gonna, <laughs> you're not gonna tell people the plot like what are you <laughs> The first time that thing appears, it's like uh, Aquila or whatever that thing is. Like he comes out from like behind his cape and just like goes through somebody's neck. It's it's 
awesome and disturbing all at once. And yeah, it's definitely like the same vibe as brain damage. Yeah, because the guy's like, oh, I'm I'm not going to be sacrificed. And he's like, all right, fine. And he opens up his cape and and the thing from brain damage comes out. And... <laughs> it's insane. The the scene with uh, the the introductory scene with the the reporter that's followed by her like following him because she's like oh this guy seems like interesting I could write a story about him and and they they they're stopped at a red light and and Doctor Yoon pulls out this like yellow balloon thing that he hooks up to his exhaust pipe and puts underneath her car and it like lifts her. <laughs> It like elevates her car. What is that? Is that a thing that exists like in the real world? What is what is that device? No, but she's also like so bothered by it. And all I can think is as he drives away, she's like so angry, and she's like, "Oh, I just pop it. All I have to do is pop it, and then your car like will go back down. Like it's fine." You get to shoot at him later. It's fine. She gets to shoot him. She gets to like attack a whole village when she gets like possessed later. Um, you know. So yeah, I don't. She's a very, her presence in the movie is very, very bizarre. This is actually Maggie Chung we're talking about. So it's, it's exciting to see her. Um, I don't know that you would look at this movie and go like, oh, she's going to become one of the like most, you know, acclaimed actresses in cinema <laughs> history. Uh, but her, you know, her just presence in general is so weird because she kind of only exists to be this constant annoyance and foil. Um, but they devote a lot of screen time to her. Yeah. And uh, he definitely talks to her in ways that you shouldn't talk to anyone but <laughs> especially a woman <laughs> like there's one part where he's like if you don't stop bothering me I, i'm gonna what does he say i'm gonna pull pull down your, your pants, pants and down spank and you. spank you without underwear or something it's like what is happening <laughs> <laughs> and uh oh yeah and that's when they like they first because she goes with him when he goes back to thailand and um like 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 a ton of their crew get taken out by these like booby traps like there's a really gnarly one that like rips a dude in half and stuff and and she's like like helps lead like them navigate and she's like oh i i know this because i studied like i don't know i i studied with the the Viet Cong or something and and she's like so i you know i know how to get around all the traps and then like two minutes later she like falls off a cliff or something <laughs> and, and gets captured <laughs> She, yeah, she falls into like a tiger pit kind of thing. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's and he's like, he's like, just leave, just go back, just whatever. And he like turns around and turns back around, and she's gone because she fell down a pit. And he's like, oh, she left fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I love those booby traps too, because like they all seem legitimately deadly. There's like you know spikes on 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 uh trees and you know giant logs and stuff like that but then the one that like most viciously kills the guy by ripping him in half from crotch up is these two little saplings that do not look strong enough to pull a person at all <laughs> and they just like flop in opposite directions and that's strong enough to rip that dude in half that's awesome <laughs> Um. Yeah. So, so we follow these characters back to Thailand, and then, uh, um, there's we we didn't mention Aqua Long. I I, I want to say I always want to say Aqua Long. Like yeah, like the Jethro <laughs> Tull song. Uh, his uh, his um his. Vo we need to talk about this guy's voice, right? 
Okay, did anyone else? Did you watched guys it, watched um, it subtitled, right? I've seen both. Okay. The dubbed one is, is, the, is the crazy, like, only because of the voice choice in the dub. At, at first, I was like, you know, you, you watch the movie, you're like, oh, this guy's like the bad guy. And then he talks, and you're like, this girl is the bad girl? Like, the the voice they choose in the dub sounds like like a Scooby Doo villainess. Villainess. Original. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty high pitched in falsetto in the original as well. So that was like just a deliberate decision when they made this <laughs> that that guy should sound like. That. And then they and then the dubbers did the same thing. They were like, yeah, this this seemed like a cool idea. It's like if if it's like if you saw like a member of like a black metal band and. When he opened his mouth, like, yeah, like a, a stock, like cartoon witch voice <laughs> comes out. Well, it's weird because I don't, I don't know, I don't, I mean, if we want to go down this road or not, but you know, around, in, in this time, like this era of filmmaking, it was very, very common, especially in kind of like the B movie world, for the villains to be transvestites or crossdressers, mm-hmm. and I kind of wonder if that's what they were aiming for with this, this character, even if that's why they chose to have the voice in that fashion. Um, since this movie's already pretty crazy, just maybe they're thinking that would to add another level of what they would see as like you know just weirdness and oddity. Uh, if that's why they uh, were actually, or if they were trying to present the villain in that way. B.J. Yeah. Colangelo just had a heart attack. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's 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 this is a zany movie. Uh, when they get back to Thailand, they find that um, the the girl that he saved and who like. Gave him the one year temporary fix on his blood curse. Like they find that like she got some kind of curse or whatever, where half of her face is like melted off or something. Um, which I never, I mean, which they never like uh, cure her of that, right? They cure him of his curse, but not her. No, so I guess they, she just has to live with that. They buy the buy. They get the things that like <laughs> they they get the jewels or whatever that have the the glowy thing inside of them. Yeah, yeah, and and he eats the one like right away to cure his blood curse, um, which with like twenty minutes left in the movie, still he's he's well probably not twenty minutes, but still he eats that one right away, and they're like, oh, we gotta you know get this other one back, and we have to do it fast so that she could take it, and then she doesn't, and at the end, does she does she turn to she turns to drag she's she's kind of she turns to dragon, yeah, that's like, like her. Think you could- that's her husband, I think. And she's and like, she's like could you still, still love me, me even if my face is like this? Yeah. And he's yeah, like, she's yeah, going to be like the most, the most shallow man in the world. Be like, no, half your face <laughs> is kind of burnt. No, sorry, babe. Like, I'm out of here. So they, they, so they don't cure her face. You know what else they don't cure? AIDS. Oh, yeah. So I'd say it's, <laughs> this whole mission is going to be a failure at the end of the day. You know who got a raw deal in this is the... Um, I don't know if he was European or American or whatever, but he was, he was definitely a Western, a Westerner was uh, like the guy that was like leading that expedition. And he's the one that told them like, Hey, yeah, I, I, I get there's some kind of ritual going on, but like, you know, let's not interfere with the locals. Like let's, let's let them perform whatever customs, you know, let's everyone just, you know, just chill here. And he's like the one guy who was like, no, let's like not, get involved and of course he's the guy that gets his face melted and a bunch of worms <laughs> spilling out of him 
Does anyone remember um, too, like if, if someone's memory is better than mine, like there's the scene, the, the first party scene we go to, um, we have a brief moment like where there's these two like kind of unrelated to the story characters. And one of them is actually like the the uh, one of the like a kind of a common like a um, villain who pops up in a lot of Jackie Chan films. He's like the bad guy in police story. Um, but they're like have a conversation about some paper he just wrote about sex. Do you guys remember this part? Yes. Yeah. What is it like? What's the whole like thesis of his story? It's or, or his paper. It's something about like how long you have sex. Is I can't remember. Yeah. Okay. So the the thesis is, and I don't remember how they get on this this discussion point, but um, he's it, it basically is the colder the weather, the the less time uh, yeah. you last yeah. when making when making love. So he's like, and I forget which order he he describes this in, but he he says like. So that means that people in tropical climates tend to last hours and people in more temperate climates tend to last 30 minutes. And we found that people who la- who live in the colder parts of the world only last five to 10 minutes. And the guy he's talking to is like, well, by, by that logic, I'm from the North Pole. <laughs> <laughs> that was a weird because that that little like dialogue between those guys, that's like the, that's more of like. That's like a like a little like like bridge i guess but like between scenes you know that that's like what uh, the conversation that like puts us in the setting of this party and yeah that's a very bizarre because we're not we're not really sure what even what kind of party it is or like who these people are i'm not sure about that at the end of the movie about any of these people they're 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 (laughs) doctors So I, I, I do see on uh, on uh, Wikipedia here that uh, Wong Jing is credited as a character called Would Be Playboy. So I wonder if that was like a uh, a screenwriter cameo. Interesting. Um, doctors. That's all. I, they're they're doctors at some sort of like I want to know what circle of academia Wisely and Yoon are in. Where they like go to terrorist shootouts and uh, Playboy parties, and like <laughs> Trev, Trev, Trev is in academia. Like, is that is that your secret life? Oh yeah, this is. I mean, this this is pretty like dead on accurate to what it's like for us <laughs> teachers. Um, you know, I'm always getting blood curses where you know my legs explode if I have sex, and I have these like awesome parties. No, it's like, you know, this like, so we talked about how, like, I'm confused by just the the Wisely character in general, but Dr. Yoon is like that as well. Like, as as you were saying in your intro, I, I still am not clear, like, what his relationship is to the police or, like, yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's just everything about this. And, like, we, we keep talking about this as, like, part of the Wisely series. We should mention, and I guess we'll talk about this when we kind of do our wrap-ups, but, like, Wisely is barely in this film. <laughs> that's uh, true. This yeah, is, this that's This is really true. more of a, a Dr. Yoon film. Uh, and you think, like, when Wisely shows up, you're like, oh, here's Chai and Fed. He's going to be such a big part of it. And then he's really just kind of, like, more of a deus ex machina near the end. Um, but, yeah, both these guys in there are like, what, what, who they are, what their jobs are, what their backgrounds are. He has no time for that. It just doesn't matter. Yeah, this movie does, doesn't care. Uh, it doesn't have time to, to bleed. Um, and, yeah, it, it, it culminates in that truly insane finale where... Uh, uh, a, a koala, like they push him Aqua. onto the ancestors' coffin, and the, and so he gets eaten. Um, and then, uh, the that makes the ancestor turn into the big 
flying bat xenomorph thing. And for what, yeah, for what, do we know why? Okay, so, 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 no. Aquala dies. <laughs> and somehow that doesn't take away his, his fetus monster. But then the fetus monster fights the, the, the bat xenomorph thing. So, like, does the, did the fetus monster turn good? They captured it. Uh, they basically, like, set it up to be captured earlier when it comes to uh, attack. Did they? But, I don't uh, remember this. Yeah. Yeah, like, they, they capture it when it goes to attack Fat Chalion, Fat's character, in, like, the village. And then it appears later at the finale for that fight. Yeah, because she actually says, like, release or like release the demon or whatever. This is very similar to, of course, Freddy versus Jason. You know, you got two things, two mortal enemies. You just try to get them to fight, the, fight each other. Ah uh, yes, this is exactly like Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> why are the feet? Why is, are the fetus and the 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 so the, the monster? Happen. It doesn't matter. Why are they <laughs> enemies? That would matter if this movie had like a three act structure, which well, it does the, not. The fetus, the fetus monster was Aquala's avatar, right? And then the the monster killed Aquala. The, so the it, xenomorph it, it's thing. mad because it killed his friend. That. What was that? Until I'm given a better explanation, I'll go with that. <laughs> Did someone's head just explode thinking about this movie? Is that what you <laughs> I don't know what that was. Do you guys remember when uh, they sacrifice and then, like, crush two little kids? <laughs> oh, how did we forget? That's, the like, blood. the craziest scene in this. Um, yeah, they, like, take so, these like... kids and put them in the little, like, crusher thing. It's bizarre. It's, it's awesome, but, like... Oh, what was God. it? The, the, the reason for that is it, like... It makes uh, it makes them s- s- the ancestors stronger. Was that it? I, I don't know. Sure. They, they take a bowl of their blood, and, and they pour it on the ancestor's tomb to like wake yeah. him up. Yeah, yeah, but but like yeah, when they 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 get there, um, I think it's I think it's when they they're like rescuing uh uh. Is it when they're rescuing Maggie Chung? It's when they they break into the temple again. Yeah, it's during the the second half of the movie. Um. Uh, but yeah, we <laughs> we we see like uh the the I guess henchmen. I don't know what you want to call them, but we see them literally like lifting up children and like lowering them into uh, like between these stone giant stone slabs. And like squeezing them <laughs> like a like a juicer, uh, and it's that's that's one of the craziest that I don't know how we're just now mentioning that that's that's one of the craziest things that uh, that is in this <laughs> in this movie. We've barely talked about. I mean, like uh, Tom briefly mentioned it in his summary, but we briefly talked about the fact that early on in this movie we have like a kung fu fight against a skeleton. You know, it's like that's when when you say that and you're like, this is like the thirtieth thing we brought up in this movie. Uh, you know, this is something special because that's like a, that's an early scene. It's like that's the scene actually that I remember the first time I watched it, where I was just completely won over by this movie because it's actually a pretty cool effect, like the way they can emerge the the actual person doing the fighting with like this kind of you know animatronic skeleton over him. Uh, I, I thought that whole sequence is awesome for like you know the budget they're working with. Obviously, it's not bad, right? It, it definitely like. There are times where it looks like he's 
either just throwing around or wrestling with like an oh, yeah. thing. But like there's definitely times where it looks like it has a little bit of motion and, and impetus of its own. Well, it just always set that charm. So like during that scene, we were just talking about like the, the xenomorph uh, versus the demon baby. I literally I just had this thought in my head as I was watching it where I was like, there there are obviously people who would watch this movie and not be enjoying this. And I feel so bad for them. Because this is like everything that I shouldn't say everything, but this is like what's great about <laughs> movies, right? I understand people like I, I get some people like prefer, you know, like art films and character dramas. But if you can, if you can't watch that scene and just be like, oh man, cinema is awesome, because <laughs> just the pure demented nature of it and the creativity that's going into it, I think this is like this is why we all watch movies is for moments like that. And uh, yeah, just like I, I would, I wouldn't, I'd, I'd be suspicious of being friends with anyone who could watch that scene and be like, and not be like, this is awesome. That's a really good segue too into like one of the things I love the most about this movie genuinely is there's not a lot of tokusatsu from the mid to late 80s. Right? There's, you know, there's a couple of Godzilla movies. There's there's no Gamera, there's you know, there's there's just not a lot in the genre that's representative of this time period and this this aesthetic of filmmaking. Well, that's, and, I, I imagine this, that's why like, a lot of these guys were doing stuff like Hong Kong films and, and things like that. Yeah. And this, like, scratches that itch. This is, this, like, really helps to kind of further, you know, uh, when you guys did your Ultra Q movie review, I think Jared mentioned, like, it that feels like the bridge, you know, between uh like Biolanti and the Gamera trilogy and this this feels like another another plank in that bridge you know this this helps me get from Biolanti having really good practical effects and everything to the 90s Gamera trilogy a lot like better than the 90s Godzilla movies you know this just has that <clears throat> the late 80s were really kind of for me, that that like last gasp of Japanese special effects movies or Asian special effects movies, because you know, obviously, this is this is um, not a Japanese movie, but uh, really feeling like in terms of their effects artistry, very much being comparable to their contemporaries in America. This this you know, yeah, it doesn't look as good as something like you know the thing for example but this is right there with like a lot of john carpenter's like i'll say lesser budgeted movies you know like like prince of darkness in terms of I'd the effects say like you know artistry. something like monster squad you know I, um yeah the 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 you you can tell the the they got some some pros to to handle a lot of this stuff it's you know it as wild as the movie is, I I I think the effects work is actually really good. Some really good monsters in here. I think it's great. Yeah. Does anyone know why she cuts open her boob and pulls out a red orb? No, oh, man. If you don't know, Tom, <laughs> <laughs> you just haven't lived. I have no idea. So that's that, that's a no. <laughs> you go, go, go ask your wife. That's maybe just uh, maybe, maybe they got him. I mean, it's Does, in Thailand. People in Thailand are magical, so. I want to know how he managed to swallow that rock that they say is has ashes in it. It's like a glowing 
orb. I, I want to know how he managed to swallow that hole, because that's not, like, how throats work. <laughs> the esophagus works? Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> can, can we talk about the whole sequence where they get those rocks, where they climb a giant Buddha statue, and monks appear out of nowhere, and they fight for a long time, destroying the statue, and then they tell the monks, hey, we're, we're not trying to burgle you, we just really need these, and then the monks disappear, and the statue goes back together again. Yeah, what? Dragon, yeah, was, but... <laughs> uh, Dragon has a problem with that. He attacks Dr. Yoon like, while he's trying to sex and like, fights him for like two minutes before just saying, hey, by the way, I'm just here to give you a message. And then there, like again, he just fights these monks and then tells him, hey, by the way, uh, we don't need to do this. Like, Dragon, stop doing he's, this. Yeah, he's, to, he's, make, he's, yeah, make your intentions clear. Yeah, he's going to run into seen, the wrong person. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the six ultra brothers versus the monster army or uh, or Ong Bok for that matter. No, you don't just go around stealing pieces of Buddha statues in Thailand without ramifications. Yeah. <clears throat> Do you think that these guys He's saw probably... Raiders of the Lost Ark though? Uh, That's a very yes, um they de- <laughs> There is a there is like a, a a bit of and see now this is me trying to remember um some of the research I've done for, for for Dragon Ball recently, there's a there's a bit of, of not folkloric, but a, a bit of cultural implication in in Chinese theology theology and philosophy that says that like it, as you quest after enlightenment and the Buddha, and there's a gem that you can attain by, via you know, questing after that, a literal gem that will cease suffering. And so, I mean, I'm not going to necessarily say that the the makers of this movie are are smart enough to be, you know, using this as a metaphor necessarily, <laughs> but it, it's one of those things that, that seems like it becomes so kind of ingrained in the culture that it becomes sort of a ubiquitous thing that people use even without realizing they're using it. Um, you know, like like Western films will use a lot of stuff that parallels like Christianity and crucifixion theme them, thematics and stuff like that. That 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 might be a little bit where that gems in the Buddha statue part comes from. Why are there ashes in it? They don't say what ashes they are either. Like ashes of what? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh, you know, I did. Re- I do remember the the the. They were crushing all those kids to feed the blood to the the fetus thing. Because they say earlier that he he feasts off. He needs like a hundred children. Oh, to, he, oh to, yeah, yeah, yeah. They say he he needs a hundred children's the blood of a hundred children or something. Yeah, I don't know why, but I guess that's what little fetus creatures need. And those are those are children that they've stolen from like neighboring tribes. Yeah, they mentioned also... they mentioned that they're like, oh, all these all these tribes have lost their children because the the worm tribe has stolen them. I know there's like multiple versions of this, but I would say that we should just establish this as a new screenwriting rule. If you're ever at a you know writing a movie and you're just stumped how to kind of end the big climactic battle, it should just be giant fat suddenly showing up with a rocket launcher. Mm-hmm. blowing the antagonist up because that's just a what a what a great way to go out if you, i don't know that anyone would uh, corner i don't know that anyone would have a problem with that 
The only thing that could have made that scene better is if we could have got a little, like, a taste of, like, later Chai and Fat, and if he was holding two rocket launchers, one in each hand, that would have been... <laughs> would he, like, slide across the floor or whatever? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like uh... The, what's, what's really crazy is is the end of the movie... Uh, well, apparently, did you, there's, apparently there's multiple versions of the ending. Um... But but specifically just in the version I watched, it seems like the ending after you were telling me that like the 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 intro is like them at a party with like being introduced by the writer. The end that's on Crackle, at least has. Seems to like wrap up back at that party. Yeah, they, yeah, they like, just like reappropriating that. that footage. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And they like yeah, they, that... they do a big toast with their brandy sniffers. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the happy ending of the movie. Why is that the ending of the movie? <laughs> yeah, why anything? Yeah, if you, if you cut out the intro, I don't I don't know why you have the 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 ending there. Maybe this is this is after Kong was like, well, you can't just roll credits as soon as the villain is defeated. You have to have some closure, so it's just, you know, them at a party. What do you think they're toasting to? Uh, here's to not curing AIDS. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, he, they don't he gets really have random babies again. Yeah. <laughs> um, this movie, it, no, it's it's quite the roller coaster. Do you, do you have so? Apparently, there's there's at least three endings for this movie. Um, in the original theatrical release, after the death of the monster there's another pool party scene it's the same exact pool and like apparently the lighting is all the same and everything is the beginning of the film but it's supposed to be another party so obviously they just filmed those like those scenes back to back and didn't change the lighting or anything um (laughs) and it's maggie chung's character makes up with dr yoon and then it goes back to the original party scene and then in the first video release, the last two scenes are completely cut. So it, it ends with uh, a shot of her with Baku, who I think is the half-face girl. Yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah. the two-face well, girl. I don't, know her that's the credit, her... I don't know if that's the politically correct way to say that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's her and her, her lover just freeze-framed over the the ending apparently so it's her and dragon i guess and then in the dvd version which is the version that's on crackle is the uh is it it cuts back to the the ending i'm describing where it goes to this like party that all the characters are at and they just cheers each other over a job well done I like to think it has multiple endings because the editors, by the way, there's four editors in this movie, which does not surprise me, but I like to think there's multiple editing. I like to think there's multiple endings just because the editors are looking at this like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, I guess let's try this now. Who knows? You know. <laughs> the, 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 having to edit this movie. <laughs> the second e- e- ending that I was talking about, the second edit of the movie apparently cuts out all of the the nudity too was meant <laughs> this is in, this is an insane fact it was meant to make the movie more family friendly <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> yeah. Hey, kids, let's sit down and watch The Seventh Curse. <laughs> this was before uh, the, the Hong Kong uh rating system was installed right like so this wasn't a category three because category three didn't exist at the time right yeah so they, sure. they might have been kind of like <laughs> i'll take your word for it could have been like a, a a regional like oh we've got to cut this down to meet you know minimum standards and practices or something <clears throat> let's watch the seventh curse kids you'll watch kids your age getting juiced but at least there's no boobs. <laughs> yeah, it looks like this is like right before that that rating systems because it looks from what I'm looking at, it looks like that might have been put in place in like 1988, um, kind of in the wake of a better tomorrow. I can't imagine cutting out the nudity of this thing. How do you establish any context behind where she gets that red gem from? I, there's already no context for that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, okay, so uh, this movie's a trip. Um, uh, I mean, uh, like I said, I, it's, it's stream of conscious insanity from the director of Story of Ricky. It's, it really got... so, like, I don't, in my, in my letterbox, in my letterbox review, I, I don't know if you guys would agree with this, but I'm, I'm not saying it's the exact same tone. I'm not saying it's, you know, the same kind of movie, but what this was giving me, like vibes of was house or house like it just has that it's like that kind of level of what is this i can't believe what i'm watching so that's kind of i felt like it's like if you took house and mixed it with a regular action movie you would get something like this well yeah house definitely has that like like i stream of consciousness is what i keep saying that's the only term i can think of for just the the plotting of this because it's like and then this happens and this happens and this happens and if you ever stop to think well why is this happening you usually don't have an answer for that yeah it's that kind of mentality of a writer saying like why shouldn't this happen right yeah you can you can tell like that's probably the answer to every question that was raised while making this okay well yeah no the the, i this movie is a blast uh it's it's you know short it's less than an hour and a half um, I had a great time. Um, I would give this four out of five uh, juiced children. <laughs> who, who wants to go next? Uh, I'll go next because I have the same score and I know there's some differences here. Uh, I, I also would give this four out of five. I think... I think there is just a little like a chunk in the middle where it gets a little, I mean, not this movie's never like not insane, but there's a little chunk in the middle where it slows down a little bit. And also I, I know some of like some of, we might hear some higher scores in a moment. And the thing that kept me from like just being flat out head over heels completely in love with it was if I sit down to watch a Chayun Fat movie and he ends up only being in about ten minutes, that was kind of disappointing. I do wish he was a more consistent presence throughout the film. So I know like I, I know he wasn't a star at this time. Um, so, I mean, that's not like it's on them, but yeah, I, I just wish he's a little bit more of an engaging leading man than, uh, the guy playing Dr. Yoon. So that's what kind of kept it for me, but easy four out of five. This is something everyone should see, especially fans of just weird, uh, cinema. Yeah, I, I'm at a weird spot with this movie because there's, there's, there's a part of me that wants to go on my, on my negative rating scale and give this like a minus five out of minus five, because this is just. 
the the unfiltered, unfettered ravings of an absolute madman just just put to film and, and laid bare for everyone to witness. And and that sort of embracing of a lack of logic, a an FU to a traditional three act structure, a complete and utter disregard for things like story and pacing and character development uh, in a in a, in like the best possible way is is just absolutely insanely adm- admirable but the flip side is <clears throat> i think there's too much about this that is like genuinely quality from a filmmaking standpoint of view to to feel like i disrespect it by saying like it's a it's one of those like negative movies that you enjoy solely on an ironic level of detachment because there's there's too much to enjoy in the effects work. Um, the the acting is like it's not good or anything, but like I find the main character fairly charismatic. The while the Aquila voice is like weird, that is a that is a performance that's absolutely just going for it. And you know, there's a lot of really well done stuff with the direction and and the usage of camera and framing and things like that to like the make the effects and too. make. Yeah, and all the choreography to make that all look as good as possible. So um, from that point of view, I feel like it is like a four out of five. So I'm going to split the difference on those two things and call this just a, a four and a half out of five. I, I really, really am very taken with it. I, I love it. You get to see a Jeep drive up the steps of a temple. <laughs> I don't see that every day. <laughs> Um, I think that Jeep actually like runs over people and they bounce off the Jeep like in the camera. It's insane. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a four and a half boob jewels out of five. <laughs> um, I I really like this movie a lot. I mean, it's just it's insane from start to finish. You get skeleton fights and two children, and you get flying xenomorph bat fighting uh brain dead baby fetus thing. It's 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 a trip, and it, it doesn't ever lose your attention. There's always something to see. I mean, you could you could pick apart stuff like you know Maggie Chung's character. Like, well, I don't I don't know that she needs to even be in the movie, but the movie is so fun that I don't care to ask that question. And so everything that it does it, well, it like just really nails out of the park. And so I'm at a four out of five. I think when I first watched it, I gave it a four a four and a half, but it's definitely a solid four. Yeah, I'm I'm also at a. Uh... Four and a half out of five uh, hapless waiters being tossed into a pool. Um, I <laughs> I forgot about. I, that. I mean, I really, really love this movie, but you know, it's it's one of those. You know, is it is it perfect? Well, not exactly, but uh, so for that, I have to I have to. There's not a whole lot specifically to to criticize with. You know, aside from the plot not entirely making sense in us asking questions that we have no answers to but um you know it's it's just uh something like will i gladly watch this once a year yeah will i gladly watch this once a week maybe that's overkill so that's why i go with a four and a half as opposed to a five all right yeah and i don't know yeah the this this is a quick watch we should mention that it's 84 minutes long i mentioned that it was under an hour and a half but yes oh did you um yeah well, then, uh, then me not paying attention to you makes up for you not paying attention to, to Trev when he mentioned that Chow Yun-Fat was in it. So, 
no, it's it's a it's a fun movie and and good for this time of year. I I, I recommend it. Uh, it's on. We said Crackle, uh, uh, Plex, Asian Crush, Midnight Pulp. It's on all those right now. Um. Uh, but so, if you want to release it on a Blu-ray with you know audio commentary from people that worked on it, by by all means, anyone who's listening, please. <laughs> Or audio commentary bus. We'll do one. Uh, yeah, hell yeah. Um, Kevin, alert the arrow people. We're up to it. Uh, so, um, all right. So uh, I guess we're going to get into 1992. Again, we have Golden Harvest. And uh, at least this version, also um, uh, uh, directed by Nam Lai Choi. Um, I went with that because I feel like I can pronounce it better than, than the, the, the name that he's listed under most commonly. Uh, the Cat. So there is like, I mean, with both of these movies, but uh, it seems like maybe especially this one, there is like, there's almost like, aside from it just like existing, there's like no record of, of its production. Um the in english that i could really find anyway um uh so kevin here i mean as as a lot of people who know who you are um uh might know you know you're you you're you're pretty savvy when it comes to researching japanese sources um you know a lot of good sources uh your fiance um amanda she is is fluent in Japanese too, so you know you always have that 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 trump card. Uh, so you were unable able to actually unearth some some information from some Japanese sources about the cat. So I'm gonna kind of uh, uh, lean on you to kind of explain the the whole deal here. Yeah, this is this is an interesting one because what is most widely available is not. Uh, as far as I can tell, and I have some some good reason for thinking this, and we can go into those those pieces right, you know, in a little bit, uh, is not the original um, film. Um, so there's a Japanese direct-to-video movie, Yoju uh, uh, Taisen, or um, that, that would translate to like Beast War, uh, and it's called Nine Lives. It's the official English title that's written on the VHS. Uh, and this is directed by Neil Hani. Um, so, uh, she did a, um, she's not much of a director, um, but, uh, she was the daughter of a, of a, a known director called, uh, Susan Hani. Uh, but, uh, Neil Hani did, um, a, a little bit of screenwriting. So, uh, you know, a, a movie called, uh, Body Frankenstein in Love is is the one that I think would be most possibly known to genre fans. Um, so she was like fascinated with Hong Kong movies uh, and um, did this co-production between um, uh, Tokuma uh, and uh, Nippon Television Network and Golden Harvest. Uh, so this project was. Um, uh, Lam Nan Choi was a manager on this project uh, for for this movie, um, and uh, a whole bunch of Japanese talent came on board to 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 work on it. Um, 
including you know cinematographer uh, Yuji Okamura, uh, miniatures by Toshio Miike, um, Minoru Nakano doing uh, visual effects, uh, Keizo Murase again on um, on on molding along with uh, Shinichi Wakasa. Um, uh, the special effects director was Kazuo Sagawa uh, with um, uh, Shinji Higuchi also uh, involved there. So it's it's sort of an all-star cast of, of Japanese effects people, uh, along with um, Shins, uh, blanking on his name, um, the the fellow that did the the Dragon Ball score, uh, Shinsuke Kikuchi. Is it Kikuchi? Kikuchi, he did yeah, the Gamera. Did the, um, yeah, he he did the Gamera, the Showa Gamera theme, and and uh, the uh, the uh, Golden Bat theme for the the Sunny Chiba movie. Yeah, he's yeah, done everything. He's, uh, yeah, he's <laughs> all over the place. Um, uh, so um, this is this is really a, a big uh, co-production, and it's uh, it stars you know um, on the on the Japanese side, the the main actor is Hidekazu Akai, and then uh the main actress on the uh, Hong Kong side is Gloria Yip. Uh and uh so this this movie uh comes out uh nineteen ninety one I guess in, in Japan direct to video and then in nineteen ninety two we have this uh Lam Nan Kai movie that uh uh comes out and um has basically all of the same effect scenes and a lot of the same scenes structured, uh, but a whole lot of other very different sequences. And this is kind of uh, this is a, a process that you would see done in Hong Kong quite a bit. If you look at like um, companies like IFD, where they would kind of take movies and, and recycle them. It's just weird because this is Golden Harvest recycling their own movie, uh, I guess, to make it more palatable to a purely Hong Kong audience or something along those lines. I'd, I'd be really curious to find out about the the actual ins and outs of the production and how that all came about. But you get kind of uh, some scenes that are completely reshot, some scenes that are completely new to this version, lots of scenes that were in the other version that are no longer in this version. Is, so is, is it is it the uh, same and it, and like storyline? Uh, generally speaking, it's it's uh, it's a similar storyline in that you have um, an alien girl and she's hunted by an alien and there's an alien cat and the guy that is a, a human guy. In this case, it's a, a a Japanese guy who's working in Hong Kong who who runs into this girl uh, who's um, has been there for 30 years without aging or something along those lines. Um, and um, they have a, a showdown um, and they're, they're being kind of hunted by the, by the police as well. So it's, you know, generally speaking, uh, the same storyline, but uh, I don't think, you know, in, in this version is not called, wisely but i think it is credited in the credits as a wisely movie so i was I gonna know. ask that i was gonna ask like so is is the japanese version a wisely thing apparently i i, I according to wikipedia anyway it, it's based on uh the novel old cat which is a wisely novel 
So did I wonder mm-hmm. if the Japanese version just didn't, you know, didn't you call the character by that name or whatever, but still adapted yeah, that I, I, story. Uh, uh, I think it's entirely possible that he's he's supposed to be that character and just has has a different name because wisely is not a Japanese name. Mm. But all the uh, all the effects stuff that we see in the 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 version that we we can watch the cat. That's that's all in the jab like the big mushroom blob monster. That's all, that's all in there. Yeah, that's that's in there. Um, there's uh, in the cat at the very end. There's a sequence where they're running up the stairs, uh, and uh, like a tentacle comes out in front of them. That is original to the cat. That 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 effect shot was not in. Um, was not in Nine Lives, and the um, you know, at the at the the whole sequence towards the beginning where they find like cat guts, uh, and and the police come to investigate. None of that is none of that is Nine Lives either. Hmm. Interesting. Um. <laughs> okay, so now I guess uh, we have to uh, I guess figure out what this movie's about <laughs> that's um, that's a that's a struggle because it's it's this weird frankenstein of of one movie's storyline that uh i kind of don't really fully get because it was uh, you know there's no english subtitles for it i have it on vhs from japan uh and, and then the other movie which has subtitles but is kind of but it's also incomprehensible from... <laughs> I wonder how closely the the two versions were shot. Like, I, was it like a Spanish Dracula thing? You know, I I I wonder about that. I think that they would have had to have been shot relatively closely together. Um, but there are some telltale signs. Um, I noticed, you know, because Gloria Yip has new scenes in the cat, uh, compared to what's in Nine Lives, but in the cat she frequently doesn't have sleeves so if you watch the cat version her sleeves like come and go from scene to scene so that's one thing to look for um yeah a few of the a few of the sets look like they get uh used from used in both both versions uh including the the museum set although um i think they ha- must have had a lot less time to to film on it for the cat um and then, and then who knows if this is like a, a stock golden harvest set that they use in lots of different things. Yeah. Well, we we I, I, we, we noticed offline. Uh, uh, one of them is at least used in was it Drunken Master Two? Yeah. Yeah. That was a set from um, Seventh Curse. I noticed was a, a Drunken Master Two uh, location. Okay. Um. Okay, so the cat, um, Trev sort of put himself out there uh, before yeah. we started. Uh, are you still comfortable trying to uh, explain this? I'll give it a whirl. I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that this one has at least a little bit more of a somewhat detailed plot description on Wikipedia. So I won't read it, but I'll kind of skim through and as I remember things, I'll talk about it. So um, this is definitely more of a Wisely film than Seventh Curse. Wisely is our yeah, main character in here. He's and definitely the protagonist. 
Yeah, and it's more established in this one, kind of what his deal is. It's, it's clear in this one that he's he, they set him up more as like a, a novelist, a novelist who writes stories of like the supernatural and is you know um, accumulating this knowledge through like real world experience. And you know, he's like his place where he lives with his girlfriend is just wall to wall books. I like that as production design. I thought that was pretty uh, cool. But anyways, he's also narrating this film and he's telling the story about how recently a friend of his, uh, Lee Tung is um, kind of being constantly bothered by his upstairs neighbors in the apartment uh, complex he's in. So every night as he's trying to sleep, he just keeps hearing this this hammering and he doesn't know what's going on up there. And he finally goes and knocks on the door and, uh, and this old man with a very bloody hand opens the door and kind of freaks the guy out. And then he's more freaked out by when he looks past him, he sees this beautiful woman holding this black cat and both of them are just staring him down. And something about them just gives off this otherworldly aura and it kind of like almost hypnotizes him um so the next morning he discovers that they seem to be moving out he kind of asks you know i think he's relieved but he's also just now curious i wonder what they were doing up there why were they hammering every night so he goes up to the apartment and just kind of you know enters it now that he knows they're gone and finds a bunch of bloody newspaper all over the floor and lifts the newspaper to discover uh intestines intestines laying all over the floor so he calls the police and the police come to investigate and, it, and the police soon discover that these are just cat intestines. Now, I think that would still be like kind of something that police would be interested in. But they decide that when they discover it's cat intestines, they just start like mocking this guy. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> what are you, idiot? They're just they're just cat guts. Who cares? And they just gonna, like make fun of him for calling him. Um, so he goes instead and has, uh, you know, then he goes to talk to, uh, to Wisely. And also at the same dinner is the the police inspector, police inspector Wang, who is still kind of making fun of this guy. And now Wisely is kind of making fun of him as well. And but he's he's telling the story and to Wisely and his girlfriend over dinner. And for reasons that will never become clear, uh, much like a lot of other things in this movie and the other movie, Wisely just kind of immediately hears the story and goes, I bet that lady is an alien. I think she's an alien. I want to investigate this. Uh, so he kind of gets like just obsessed with this idea that she must be an alien. Uh, maybe the cat is even an alien. And he just already decides that. Uh, meanwhile, we are there's this artifact that's being held in a museum, which they keep calling in the movie just the octagon. Uh, so it's uh, this thing called the octagon that archaeologists have found. It doesn't don't know look what like it an octagon. It does not. No, it's just called the <laughs> octagon. And even because I think there's supposed to be like two pieces to it when you put it together, it still doesn't look like an octagon. So whatever. Um, but they uh, where we catch up to it at the museum. And the girl and the cat and a third member of their party uh, named Errol, we see them uh, uh, stealing this or uh, or trying to steal this thing. Um, but as they're doing so, a giant like mushroom fungus thing bursts into the museum, uh, attacking them and killing several of the guards. Uh, so now we have established that there's this other like alien presence, this giant fungus as well. Meanwhile, uh, Wisely, still obsessed with this girl, still trying to sneak her, uh, trying to, you know, discover this mystery, um, sneaks into their house and overhears them talking about how they need to get this, this octagon thing. They need to get this octagon to this other evil alien that has been killing, uh, you know, the guards and everything. But they notice Wisely is there and attack him, uh, but do not hurt him. Arrow wants to uh, kill him, but the girl says, no, 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 we, we shouldn't do that. Um, so uh, Wisely uh, goes, uh, when he wakes up, he goes to the crime scene uh, the, where the first octagon was stolen and finds cat hair. Uh, and then uh, once he realizes, okay, so there is a cat involved in this, there's some kind of mystery with this cat, he goes to a friend of his named Lao Pu, uh, who I don't know is some kind of like, <laughs> what's the deal with this guy? He wears like a kimono with dogs on it. 
and lives in a mansion with hundreds of dogs. And Wisely and the police uh, police inspector Wang go there and ask him if they can borrow his like meanest dog. Uh, and he's like more than happy to. He says, yes, I have this great dog. He's like very, very, uh, he's very like crazy and insane, which we learned by first seeing an obvious dog puppet head burst through a wall uh, <laughs> and replaced by the actual dog. And she says, yes, yeah, so like you, you can you can take the dog with you. So Wisely takes this this really mean uh, dog uh, and takes it to where the second octagon is, knowing that uh, at some point this alien girl and the cat and Errol show up. And sure enough, that's what happens. Uh, they they show up. Uh, and this uh, sets into probably the highlight of the film as Wisely six the dog on the cat and we get a extended length wrestling match between the cat and this mean dog. Which I, and I, when I say wrestling match, I mean there's a sequence where the cat flat out suplexes the dog, uh, this is a, so that we have this extended scene. Um, and eventually, the dog gets uh, what turned out to be, um, you know, almost mortal injuries. Not not quite, but the the cat wins the fight essentially. Meanwhile, Wisely almost captures the cat, but the cat gets away. But in the process, he does chop the cat's tail off. Uh, so uh, luckily, the dog is taken to the hospital. Turns out to be okay. Goes back with uh, Laupu. And now Wisely is just like still confused by what's going on, but he does have this cat's tail and a little Ziploc bag he wants to investigate. But at this point, the girl finally makes herself known to Wisely. Um, her and the cat come to his home and, and finally just explain, because again, in these movies, it just takes people forever to explain instead of, you know, just starting fights. <laughs> Explains that they are, they are, in fact, both aliens, but they are good aliens. Uh, and they are here to, um, all they really want to do is leave. They want to go back to their, the star they come from. But to do that, uh, they can't do that until they first defeat this other uh, alien, which they just keep calling the enemy. They need to defeat the enemy, and then they need to, they can only get back to their home uh, star, that keeps saying that planet, their star they come from, if they can assemble this octagon and use the material from it to kind of go back into space. Meanwhile, uh, the, the alien fungus has killed a bunch of police, including Wang, uh, Wisely's friend, the, the main inspector. And it has taken over Wang's body. So Wang is now a, a possessed by this thing. And he goes and gets a bunch of guns from a bunch of criminals. And as uh, Wisely is kind of getting all the exposition from this girl, Wang shows up and attacks the, attacks the uh, house. Attacks, um, you know, starts shooting them with all these, he's just loaded with machine guns and grenades, starts taking them down. Wisely starts fighting back with Molotov cocktails. There's an incredible sequence. I guess I'll say this because I want to hear what you guys think about it. Uh, the, the sequence where Errol sacrifices himself. We need to talk about that moment. Yes. Uh, uh, and we also, <laughs> also got to mention that uh, the, the cat was able to put its tail back on to itself. Um, but ultimately, you, I, you I also guess I forgot to mention the, the cat's name. The cat's name is the general. Oh, yeah, the general. Yeah, the, the cat is the general. Um, and so they, they fight. So they, uh, they, they end up fighting like, you know, Wang off at this point. Um, but this sets us into the climax, which is now uh, Wisely, the girl, and the cat, the general, having to go for, uh, fight the, this monster, the enemy, for one last kind of giant climactic battle, uh, which is, again, uh, where we get, actually get the, uh, the enemy taking its final form, which I don't even know how to explain that, so I'll let one of you guys do that in a moment. But, uh, yes, that is, that is essentially the cat. The cat is essentially just a story of Wisely having to work with uh, this alien trio to defeat a large alien mushroom. If you uh, if you need to know that the dog is okay, then then this is the version to watch because the this the scene at the hospital with the guy like ah thank God the dog is okay like not in the original. Yeah, and I thought like that that definitely seemed like it was like added in right because that dog does not look okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
is the so I take I, I I mean it's like the centerpiece of the movie. The 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 junkyard fight has to be in the the Japanese version, right? Yeah, yeah, that yeah, part's all, all insane. That, that is one of the greatest scenes. Like, remember when? Remember when? A few minutes ago, when Trev was saying, if you can watch the the climax of of Seventh Curse without thinking, like, isn't cinema grand? That's that's the junkyard fight. Yes, yeah. is like this this junk this fight between the cat and a dog is one of the most amazing things in cinema <laughs> history. Well, you 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 Glorious. get you know you get the cat like doing stuff like turning lights on to like. Like blind the dog. I think the cat like uh uh like I love the part where it's like pinned down by the dog and it's reaching for the the <laughs> it's like reaching for the the thing to to turn like the gas or whatever on and like blow it in the dog's face. But like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, and the, the cat it's, like it's uh, reaching its arms out. The cat switches on like it like does something that like it like bursts a water main. It traps the dog in like a like a room where it like it gets electrocuted. Like this cat, this cat knows how to do quite a bit. I, I love it's that. Crazy! Thing. It electrocutes the dog, and you see like the dog's like skeleton from being electrocuted, <laughs> and then the dog just gets up and keeps fighting. <laughs> and then, and, oh, and then, the, and then he gets put in a chokehold, like, and the cat like starts pulling on his collar and choking him. It's a Suplex wrestling match. The best. The su- it's the su- awesome. The suplex is incredible. Like that's the moment where you almost want to just stand up and, and, and applaud. <laughs> <laughs> um, the whole thing. The one of the things. One of the things that kicks that fight scene off is the cat running out of the museum and jumping through the window. <laughs> and when the cat jumps through the window, it leaves a, a cat-shaped hole in the glass. <laughs> <laughs> This movie is this movie might even be more like stream of consciousness than Seventh Curse. This movie has it really does feel like, you know, if you've ever talked to a child and like they they're telling you a story from their imagination and it's like and then this happens cuz you know the and you're like, "Okay, well how did that happen?" And like it just does. Like like that's like what is it at the end where where you know the good aliens. You know, go back to their home planet or whatever, and um, they they like put. I think they put the octagons together, and like this kind of like almost electrical looking snow falls, and they're like, "Well, don't you need to? Don't you have a ship?" And they're like, "No, this stuff will just carry us." And they like float away. It's like yeah, they're like is... they're like they're like. What do you mean? They're like, what do you mean spaceship? You stupid humans or something? <laughs> yeah, they're like, <laughs> we don't have this spaceships. A... We float on. We float on magic dust back to our star. What are you talking about, <laughs> idiot? Yeah, there's another part where like the girl's kind of like dancing and like she's like hopping around on electrical poles. Um, <laughs> I, this is, I, that's how she gets introduced in the version, and then it's like later in the cat cut. Like in the cat cut, you you first hear is like the upstairs neighbor and stuff that's not in the original. So it's. It's it's her coming down from the sky, kind of floating. It's is how she first shows up. In the, the... That whole like prologue I talked about with like Lee Tung and like the whole like them hammering up stairs. Like, why is that in the movie? Like, I'm not sure. Like, it, you don't need that at all. Like, it's like I guess you know, it just seems so detached. Like, I was I had I was 
I was listening to you talk about these two different movies and there I was thinking this has to be like an invention of this film because even they like asked that guy later, like, why were you like, what was the cat intestines? Like, what is his answer? I can't remember. It's like, it just makes no sense. Like why he was like cutting up other cats. Uh, it's just, like so glossed over. It's something about like, we've been studying the cat for a long time to like, take it apart and put it back together to increase the general's life or something. Like, it's, yeah, it has something it's to some do kind with of answer the like general's that. He's, he's basically like, he's basically like every once in a while, I take the cat apart and then put it back together. Like, yeah. um, because that's the, like, cause then there's another part. I think it's right before this where he takes the, um, tail to his like friend to run through some lab analysis and the guy's like yeah why did you bring me a cat tail from a cat that died years ago mm. what what the hell is wrong with you and like that's your first like <laughs> they fir- put the cat back together but forgot the intestine <laughs> so is this kid so is the cat that we see is like is, is the insinuation here that the general is basically like made up of a bunch of like other cats like over time this is like the, the the riddle about this ship, right? Where if you keep putting taking pieces and like rebuilding the ship, is it still the original ship? Is this still the original cat, or is it just like Frankenstein monster cat now? <laughs> What's he the general of? I was. The, their army, their little right? squad. He's like their general. <laughs> I wonder anyone... if that first scene is is partially there's some shock value of like, oh, let's put some intestines in because there is stuff like you know, like gratuitous, like cool nudity and stuff like that. That's also just kind of thrown in. And I wonder if they're doing the equivalent of like 15 ing for the Hong Kong market. Yeah, can, we, uh... can we talk about the pool scene specifically? Because like the girlfriend comes out of nowhere. They like have these uncomfortable close ups of her of her first sweating, but like it's like her armpits. <laughs> and yeah, that's yeah, that's that's a strange scene. That's um, that's there's a scene with Wisely and his wife, who the char- that character was in um Seventh Curse as well. But but yeah, there's a I think she's like, does she is she like she just finishes playing tennis or something and like, yeah, he's he, she comes in like she, sits on, he says you're. He says, like, you'll have to invite me next time or something. She's like, you play tennis and not read for a change? And he's like, I'll play you, baby. Like, Yeah, and yeah. And then she comes it, on to him, and then he throws her in the pool. <laughs> like, wait a second. What it, well, it's, it, it, it's, it's really interesting what this movie's idea of eroticism is, because it's it's showing, like, close-ups of her flesh with, like, you know, like a sweat droplets on it. But, like... I mean, like, they show her legs, okay, that's normal, but then, like, they they, they go to, like, her armpit and stuff. It's So it's like, is this, like, is, uh, is, is, is Lamb, like, an armpit fetishist? Or, like, I, it's, it's really weird what, because they're, they're not very, you know, they're not very titillating, <laughs> um, shots that, I guess, you know, I guess that's supposed to be like what, oh, this is why this is what gets wisely going. But it's like it's very unsexy, I guess. <laughs> it makes for incredible viewing, though. I, I I think you guys know that I have this weird thing where if the characters in a movie are really sweaty, I really like the movie and I don't know why. <laughs> Tom spends um, a lot of time in the deodorant aisle at, like, at the supermarket. One of my one of my favorite movies is not favorite movies or anything, but like a movie that I like I find just utterly compelling is is The Howling Three because every single character in that is just like 
just dripping with sweat the entire movie. <laughs> um, I mean, it adds a layer to the cinematography and lighting and stuff like that. That's, that's why people do it a lot in movies. But. The more uncomfortable everyone looks on set, the more I like a movie. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh, uh, Trevin mentioned, you know, there is a part where, like, uh, the girl and the cat, <laughs> the girl and the cat and the guy, um, they, they, they seek out wisely because they're like, oh, this guy, you know, he's been following us. Like, maybe he can actually help us. Um, their first actual encounter with him is like he's he like has broken into their their apartment and he's like snooping around and he hides. And uh, Errol, the the alien the older alien guy that uh, I don't know. I don't quite know what his relationship is with the girl. He like knocks him out. Like he sneaks up behind him and like knocks him out with like a board or something. And then later, <laughs> like when they, when they're like, yeah, you know, we're just trying to get back to our home planet. Uh, um, and I think I, I can't remember if wisely says something first, but basically it's like, well, you like knocked me out. And he's like, we, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> Like, he says it was an accident. <laughs> well, I mean, because, like, Errol doesn't seem like the brightest bulb in the past, oh, you know? Okay, because yeah, we that, should no, talk... that, that's a segue into something we need to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> this this sacrifice scene, so I, oh, okay. <laughs> the, uh, the, the possessed Wang is, um, you know, they're up the on the roof Possessed Wang. Possessed Wang, yes. <laughs> this, the possessed Wang, uh, the alien possessed Wang, uh, the the police chief who now has gone like in, turned into like a total commando, he is down on the ground level, and our heroes are up on the roof, and they're trying to figure out like how to you know how to defeat this guy, and Errol has the idea to light himself on fire, and jump down onto uh, onto Wang, <laughs> knocking him into the pool, which by the way immediately just would put out the fire. But we see, like, I mean, this is like the plan makes no sense for that reason. But also, we discover it kills Errol because, of course, it does. He sets himself on fire and then jumps <laughs> down, and it does nothing to Wang. He gets out of the water approximately ten seconds later with no damage because, of course, if a guy who's on fire lands on you and you immediately fall into a pool, you're probably going to be all right. The other guy, not so much. Very, very strange scene. I, I can explain that one. Okay. So that character gets uh, gets crushed by a monster, but you have a close up of, of his face as he's being crushed. And since they switched out the actors, they couldn't use that footage, so they get, just gave him a new death. Does <laughs> but like does... A, what? <laughs> so you like, explain you explain the scene, but I thought you, I thought you I thought you meant you were going to explain his logic, but you can't do that. <laughs> oh yeah, you know ninjas can't catch you if you're on fire. <laughs> So well, well, couldn't the sol- solution have been to just film the monster scene with the 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 Chinese actor? Yeah, I I guess that depends on how much of the effects <laughs> stuff they had around to do that. That's a really strange. Uh, Does he light himself on fire in the, in the in ja- the in the Japanese version? No. So that that whole like that whole siege at the house. <laughs> is new for this version here so like the 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 inspector guy coming in like terminator is is not in the original either um so in the original instead of that you have a scene where he gets killed by a monster yeah 
And so the Chinese version said, instead of that, why don't we have this guy light himself on fire and jump onto a possessed possessed (laughs) cop with a machine gun and they fall into a pool? So so that also means then in the original, there is no sequence with uh, that cop blowing up all the books. Correct. Yeah, that's not in there either. Yeah, none of the stuff with the books, the the scene of them eating a copious amount of crabs is also not in in the original. Like, none of none of that stuff. Well, that stuff with like the the cop is new too. That kind of makes I well I shouldn't say it makes sense because nothing makes sense. But the sequence where he like is first gets possessed and we then we see him go to like the gun dealers. That scene that scene is so weird because him and the gun dealer then have this like conversation that makes it feel like we're supposed to understand all the backstory of these two characters. And it just kind of comes out of nowhere, and you're like, "Wait, did, am I? Did I start watching another movie suddenly?" Because I was just like, "This part it just seems so." It almost impl- it, it, it almost implies that Wang was like a dirty cop, right? Because I think they mentioned something like, it, yeah. like but, but "Oh, you know." Str- but it's you, a strange I, thing to like. It's a strange thing to raise right there when it means nothing ultimately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. <laughs> there's there's all kinds of strange stuff in this there's that the whole thing in the beginning where where and it's weird because there's there's so many weird strange things that are just non sequiturs and like just are there like you know all this kind of and there's at the very beginning uh, they're all drinking vodka and the one guy like has never tasted vodka before Bert, that was a thing in um remember last year it was one of the one of the kitamura movies um that was uh i think that, that was our uh, enemy, enemy. right yeah yeah where like they're they're drinking vodka and they're like oh this is like the strongest alcohol in the world or whatever like vodka is like a rarity to them or something so i thought that was just kind of an interesting parallel but like there's that part where they're they're like this is vodka it's the most powerful wine in the world look how easily it lights on fire and you think that's just like another random thing, but then for some reason, that's one of the few things that actually pays off. <laughs> I, I I do wonder how much of like when they were when they were filming the new scenes, they were like, okay, we need more guns and more explosions. Probably uh, a lot. I, I think like the stuff that works well in this movie is all. I mean, I, I the blob is pretty awesome. It does this thing where like it starts melting people in half and like. There's some pretty decent effect scenes. I kind of love all the inexplicableness, I guess, of the dude lighting himself on fire, throwing himself off a roof. Because, like, that's a really neat stunt, as dumb as it is, like, for somebody to do. It's it's pretty freaking fun to watch. And then we haven't talked about, like, ultimately the creature becomes, like, this blob thing with a giant floating head that goes up a, floats up a building, I guess. Like, it chases them bursts through the windows and like surrounds the building until it's defeated with the the super weapon which is like the cat and oh this is insane the the cat and the artifact like become one and then go inside the creature's mouth and it it blows it up i guess for unknown reasons i i don't know what happened i i kind of enjoyed watching it happen but i'm not sure why it happened yeah <laughs> you're you're pretty you're pretty dead on <laughs> like the, cat, was... the cat floats into its mouth 
and then, and then merges. It, it explodes. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> it's insane. <laughs> and and then the and then the real cat is buried under like a metric ton of glitter. <laughs> yeah. The sure uh, okay. the the blob yeah, thing. I'm sure. I'm sure the 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 Taiwanese. Uh, market or agency of animal cruelty said it was fine well i will say because you know we just mentioned you know if you if you had to watch this knowing the dog was okay i, I actually will say as as an as an animal lover and in particular i, I do love cats uh so there's definitely a point in this where i got i was feeling a little nebulous because i was like oh man how much do you think this how are they treating these cats on set and first of all i should say like you know cats are notorious like you know cats are not as easy to train as dogs i'd say the cat acting in this is actually pretty decent you know the cat is typically doing what it needs to do on screen but I really only clocked one moment, one brief moment where I felt like I saw something I that looked pretty harsh. There's like one more that they kind of just like throw the cat against the books, against the wall, and like that <laughs> I did I did not like seeing that. But but other than that, I never felt like we were really seeing the cat be abused too much on screen or anything. I felt like that usually they would defer to a puppet for the the worst yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 there were a the, couple of moments. There's where... one shot that I remember. It's when the cat first gets his tail stuck in the trunk of the car, and it looks like maybe someone is in the trunk, maybe holding the cat by its tail, and it's like shaking around. Um, that's the only other shot that made me a little uncomfortable. But, um, but yeah, for the most part, I mean the 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 way that it's cut, you you can almost always tell when they go from a real cat to a fake cat, and it's it's quite a bit. There's a there's a few like shots and individual like quick cut little moments where boy you don't necessarily see anything bad happen but like there's a few shots of like an actual cat like flying through the air kind of <laughs> um someone had to have picked up a cat and thrown it into the air you know um so there's a couple little things like that Except when you throw them at full speed into a pile of books against a wall, but um, but no, no it's the the other thing, you know. I mean, this this wrestling match we talked about it, it. It yes, it's just a highlight in terms of just absolute batshit insanity. But there's also some cool effects work. Like there's a real like cool mixture of actual shots of the animals. Uh, puppets and some cool stop motion. Effects. Yeah, there's some stop motion stuff in there too. Um, all the I, like I mean the stop uh, motion stuff. Yeah, th there's also some stop motion stuff with the monster too, which uh, which is it's it's a pretty cool monster. I mean, I would I would say imagine um the thing, the blob, and like the fungus mushroom king thing from the Mario movie combined um and yeah the final form is, is wild and, th and there, there's some cool stuff with it like absorbing people you know it, it, that kind of is almost comparable to something like uh the shunting sequence in in society like it has it, it, the, the it, it has the monster in general kind of has that gross kind of slimy gooey brian yuzna feel to it yeah i like a good yuzna movie so there's a uh, I feel sequence that. when like it, it crawls down the dude's throat, but pretty, pretty upsetting. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
is this the movie? Uh, see now, I'm, I'm maybe yeah. This is the movie where like pretty early on the the like the Garmin Bosia comes out of the the sewer and goes into the one dude, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it looks like beans. It looks like fried refried beans or something like crawls into like a bum's mouth or something and he, he like gets reanimated and there's, there's never any follow-up to that is, is that like the origin of the monster yeah i think that's the, the one that attacks the museum yeah okay his eyeballs pop out later like, he yeah and, he cut yeah they see him like, in the in window, window and his his eyes pop out <laughs> and then like the fungus tentacle like goes through the 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 window or whatever um yeah no the the, yeah, the effects that's, work that's is, a... is is really really neat um it better kevin, be it had I... to be in two movies <laughs> <laughs> uh kevin i did want to ask um because there's the scene where uh the blob kind of attacks i guess they're all those cops the guys in suits um mm-hmm. how are are those i guess i guess you can't really see in a lot of the, the scenes with the monster itself but like are those the same guys that were in the japanese version As, uh, yeah i think i think they they all were the same just the same people okay cuz i was going to say like did they just reuse that scene with those yeah, think, actors or did they redo yeah. it with new actors yeah interesting I, I, i'm pretty sure it's the exact same footage you know, it's a bunch of dudes in in suits and sunglasses. <clears throat> um. So yeah i I want to like I just I want to know what the books are like. Are the books like this? Like, how how imagine reading yeah, this as like, a novel? There's <laughs> there's another there's another Wisely movie from the eighties called. Um, Shoot, I had it pulled There's up, a few and, and now I don't. Like, um, it's like, like the Legend of Wisely or something yeah. like that. Yeah, it's um, 1987 one. Yeah. There's also I, a I couple. I watched it last night. I was curious, uh, and it's it's not it's not as exciting as these. So uh, is is that like a normal movie, or is it is is it or is is it just like Golden Harvest? Who's like, let's make crazy stuff. <laughs> How much of it is is Golden Harvest and how much of it is Lamb? I I don't know, but yeah, the you know the one that I watched was very much like wannabe Indiana Jones. Um, so it was you know wisely goes to Tibet, gets chased around by goons for a while, looks for an archaeological relic, and and then there's a spaceship at the end. Like it's not, it's it it feels much more conventional than either of these others. Hmm. Did you watch the Andy Lau Which one? Uh, I have not. Okay. That uh, sounds I, I, more like what what you would like expect, you know, <laughs> from a, a a character who's either a novelist or a doctor or a or a doctor novelist or whatever, like <laughs> who who researches, you know ancient societies like he's he's like an indiana jones character but then all of a sudden the maniacs who made these two movies were like and also slug monsters and worms and xenomorph bats and fetus creatures like well i was thinking like i i kind of slightly disagree because i i'm 
I actually wouldn't have been too surprised to hear that everything about Wesley or Wisely would be like this because, you know, knowing that the series started in the 60s, and we were talking about like the pulp connections. If you get really into like pulp literature, especially like at the heyday of like pulp fiction back in like, you know, the, the 40s through the 50s, maybe a little bit of the 60s, there were a lot of these books that were just so insane because there's, you know, these authors were just expected to chug one of these out like once a month. Um, and there was a lot of authors who honestly weren't super talented storytellers, but they were just like, you know, it, it was just, they're always fun to read because their ideas were so insane. But most of those series weren't popular enough to go on from 64 to 2004. You don't have 156 <laughs> novels. And then what I'm looking at now, like, you know, multiple radio dramas, five television series, multiple movies, like that's Comic like, books. Oh, that, there must yeah. be something. Yeah, there must be something else here. So I don't know. I, I could have seen it going either way, but. Um, it's kind of a bummer to hear that the other movies maybe aren't like this. Yeah, well, maybe that one, Legend, maybe that one's, like, normal and, like, everything else is crazy. I mean, I doubt it, but that would be sweet. Like, maybe the Andy Lau I, one has Andy Lau fighting, like, a... Like, I don't know, a giant... It was not a giant, like, frog hedgehog or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's a... Hey, Kevin, there's a, there's a scene I want to ask. I want to ask Kevin about with the going back to the the four or five cops or whatever they are fighting the the, the creature. Mm-hmm. In this version, after they all get assimilated, they have like a psychic conversation among amongst themselves, where they like they're like, "Let's go and buy guns." Um, yeah, like, that that's not in the original as far as i remember yeah so i was gonna say that's that 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 like rings that now rings to me as like a moment of this movie being like okay we can reuse that footage as long as we don't you know show any of them talking to each other uh there were in the 90s there were also uh two young wisely movies i wonder if that's a deliberate um cash in on uh, young indiana jones wasn't that the early 90s too was that the 80s what's with the part what's with the part where he goes and he gets all the the guns right and then he kills everyone except for the like the main guy the guy who's he puts the grenade in his mouth everyone else is dead and then he starts shooting the ceiling don't don't worry (laughs) about it Also, like Wang is the only one who shows up to buy those guns, and then he's the only one who attacks the Wisely's home. So, like, what happened to the rest of the cops who got possessed? They're out there still, probably. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I'm sure it's fine. Do you like when he when he leaves from there and he he walks out and he's got all the the like the bloody footprints? behind him yeah and it's making this like absurd squishing sound (laughs) like he's like stepping in like 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 mud or something it's like it's 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 not how blood would sound so uh yeah i mean this was a trip uh very surreal film (laughs) um I had a good time with it though, um, and that that monster is cool. I, I, yeah, its final form is like, I don't know, a big mushroom blob with a face and eyes, 
And then you get to see a cat. Yeah, that uh, that almost is like a... borderline Zerum. Yeah, like it's almost like at times borderline Zerum esque in the, in like the beginning of the climax. Yeah, and then it, and then, then it, it turns into more like, like the blob. Yeah, and then it turns into a thing with like a giant face that a cat carries a glowing orb, it flies a glowing orb into its mouth, and it like explodes. Um. It it is absolute nonsense, but uh, I had a really good time with it. The the effects are really cool, um, and it's it's just a really strange beast. Um, it's too bad that the Japanese version is like fallen way into obscurity, and there's not even like a way to know that story <laughs> that is in English. Um, Unless I guess you listen to us, uh, so uh, but no, I it it, it's, it, it it's, it's a good so time. in obscurity. There's like there's no way to. It, it's only because Kevin was on this that we had any idea that that would even that even existed at all. I I googled high and low, and nobody online seemed to be talking about the the fact that this is the way it was. It was it was <laughs> kind of surreal. Well, yeah, like you we can't said, even like, find you, like. You can't even find like entries for nine lives. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, Kevin, you had to look like at Japanese language sources to to even figure yeah. that out. And and I guess the Japanese version is uh, on YouTube without subtitles. Um, you'd have to type it in in Japanese, I, I think. But it, it is there. Uh, but I I don't. No one's translated it. So. Um, uh, Maybe one day we'll get a fan sub or something, but uh, uh, yeah, it's a wild ride. Um, uh, I give it three and a half cats with glowing orbs floating into a blob's mouth and exploding it. Um, I give this one a three. I, I, I was a little less taken with this one than Seventh Curse. I think Seventh Curse is, is just more wall-to-wall insanity than this one. I, I, I will admit, like, with this one, I, I got a little bored is not as a strong word, but I feel like the middle of this one chugs along a little slower. But there's a lot of great stuff in the beginning, and once you get to, like, the last 15 minutes, the last 15 minutes are pretty fantastic. But, uh, so yeah, I think this is one still everyone who's into, like, weird cinema should see, but I think if you have to pick one of the two, Seventh Curse is the is oh, the yeah. winner for me. So I'd, I'd give this with, uh, yeah. I'd give I'd this three out of five uh, suplexing cats. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I'm right there with you, Trev. I I think all the creature and the effect stuff and the you know guy jumping off the building, lighting himself on fire, shenanigans are actually a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But there's it, it drags a bit, and um, so I'm gonna go three out of five close up shots of sweaty armpits that are totally unnecessary. Okay. I've got to go um go with sort of a a split like this and it's a, it's a similar deal to like when I think about like the fairy and the devil where it's like oh well this this has the best version of this effects footage because the original version of the movie that the effects footage is from is so poorly preserved that you can't see the effects as closely anymore. Uh so it's you know in terms of what what I imagine the the original version was, I would probably go with uh, uh, four, but you know, having no subtitles and 
no um and 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 for it i i have to you know put all sorts of asterisks on there and if i want to look at what was original for the cat version specifically it's you know there's there's some fun stuff but it's not great overall so maybe a two so if you want to average those for 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 the the total experience of of a three um maybe that's that's the way to take it but it it's a a weird one to think about it's not as straightforward as as usually writing a movie nothing about this is straightforward (laughs) uh tom are you last yeah and i'm i'm a little more positive i guess i'll say not crazy or anything but like once once see and i thought i thought lao poo was the dog's name so um you know i don't know maybe i got confused or or trev was confused I, it could be either um once once that puppet dog head burst through the door I, that was kind of my first like oh this this might be something that uh that is really something else and and then you know you get that whole next sequence the the cat the cat shape left in the glass, the cat and dog fight, uh, everything about that and the way they're, they're characterized is incredible. And the, you know, the final, however, like, yeah, 15, 20 minutes of this is also so crazy. Like there's a good genuine mix of like stuff that's, that's actually quite good and stuff that made me just burst out laughing at just how absolutely absurd it was. I'm, I'm at a three and a half, uh, three and a half. Yeah, suplexing cats. Uh, okay. All right, well, there you that go, people. Uh, I mean, these are two of the craziest movies I've watched in a long time. Uh, I would happily buy bl- a Blu-ray of both of these. Um, so, yeah, Arrow or, you know, whoever wants to take that on, uh, please do. And if, if anyone picks up the cat, yeah, try and get the Japanese version, too. But... Uh, yeah, no, these are, these are a trip, and um, especially, you know, if you like horror, and especially if you're getting into it this time of year, these are good watches, and, you know, you get to see all these cool effects from these Japanese effects veterans that worked on a lot of, you know, our favorite kaiju movies, and you're seeing, like, when there weren't any kaiju movies, this is the kind of thing that was keeping them busy. Um, so, yeah, I, I would recommend both of these. Um, and that's it. Uh uh, as, as it, it, it took two very insane movies to get the five of us together. Only, only the five of us could have parsed these out. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, it was cool having everyone. Um, like, Tom and Kevin have been on a million episodes together, but, but uh, Trev, thank you for joining us. Thank, thank all of you, uh, Kevin, Tom, for, for joining us as well. This was uh, an experience for us to live through. Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.